0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is the Stop Turtle MMA Podcast on cage.press.com. I'm David Gooby-Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. The UFC is back in the apex this weekend for UFC Vegas 74. That fight card is headlined by a flyweight banger between Amir Albazi and Kai kara France. We'll, of course, be breaking down that fight, as well as two other of our favorite fights on the main card as part of Fights Dogs and Parlays. Also, we'll be talking with a couple of fighters with upcoming fights. Kicking off the show this week is Iman Zahabi as he gets ready for his fight at USC 289. That fight is next week. And later on in the show, we're going to be talking to a fighter on this card. That's Damon Blackshear is getting ready for Luan Lacerda. But before we get to any of that great content for you guys, we do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up. Welcome to the game, welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with a sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink, this is a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, very drinkable, should you stretch before you drink it, well it couldn't hurt. Game Up is not a hard seltzer, because hard seltzers just don't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own. It comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs, it's gluten free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak bagging badasses, tough mother mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. Today is Iman Zahabi who fights Ki Lang at UFC 289. That fight is on June 10th. So, mean, I wanted to start here. It, it's been 11 months since we saw that big win over Ricky Tercios. What's kind of been going on in this layoff? I, I know you've had some layoffs before, and, and they're yeah. not your favorite thing in the world. So what's been
1: up in this 11 months? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I've been having a hard time getting matchups. Like, uh, you know, I don't know how the whole system works exactly, so we're looking for a manager this time, and uh, we settled with Daniel Rubenstein. So now I signed with him, and this is gonna be our first fight together. And then hopefully after this one, he'll be able to get me a second one without taking a year, you know. And I was just actually talking with my buddy uh, Arnold Allen, who also fights in the UFC, and uh, I was telling him like, man, it's crazy. He has ten, he had ten wins in a row before his last fight, and he also fought like once a year, which is insane, you know. But just, that's sometimes how the cookie crumbles, man. You know, I have no idea how it works. And was the
0: reluctance to have a manager just like you didn't want anybody else dealing with your business? Was it you just never thought you felt like you needed one? What what was the reason to always be on your own? I mean,
1: Frost is basic was basically really my manager. You know, it's hard for it like not not hard for him, but like I mean, it's it's nice for him. I like that he's in charge most of the time. You know, and uh, if ever we're working with anybody in the end, Frost was making all the decisions. So I never really thought we needed a manager really. You know, and then I had signed with. Some friends, you know, like uh, some friends of ours that used to work with the GSP, of course. And it was really just for us doing a lot of the, the stuff. And they, they would help with paperwork, you know. So, I'm like, I don't know. We weren't getting a lot of matchups. So, now I decided, you know what, we need someone who can really – who's got a lot of experience getting a lot of good matchups. And I know he's worked with Sean O'Malley and some other big names in the UFC before, Danny. So, I'm hoping that, you know, it works out. And, and was it a pretty quick signing right after
0: you, you got Danny on your side? Or was it like? You know, like you you signed on the dotted line with him, and soon enough you had A Laurie's name in front of you.
1: No, no, it wasn't that quick, <laughs> but uh, it was soon after. Soon after, and uh, you know, my my last management team they were great, also. Like Phil was amazing. You know, Adolf, they're great guys. Just that, you know, like uh, it ended up being for us making a lot of the decisions. You know, so uh, we went separate ways after a while, but that's all good. We left amicably. They were great to me. Well, that's good to
0: hear. That's good to hear. Now. I- you know, you mentioned this is not the first time you've had big gaps, and it's been a little bit frustrating in the past. What, what do you you find yourself doing in in these 11 months? Are you honing certain skills? Or, I, I have yeah. you traveled a little bit too to be
1: teaching other places. Like, what what has been the biggest use of your time in this 11 months? It's always trying to get better. Always for us is always looking for the next big thing, the next thing that we need to, that's going to give me an edge, you know, and give the whole team an edge. So we're always working on the most, you know. Up-to-date jujitsu stuff, up-to-date wrestling, up-to-date striking. We're always trying to find what's what's the cutting edge, you know, what's the leading stuff and what, what part of that stuff I can put into my game. You know, sort of always adding pieces to the game. Like, I don't know if, if somebody, like, really watches, like, all my fights in the UFC, even the fights from before to now. Like, I change every single year. Like, I, I find it, like, I'm harder to predict in that sense, you know. Whereas, like, let's say, like, my opponent, Eric E. Lang, him too, he's actually uh, hard to dial in. He has 31 fights. But in his four fights in the UFC, you find a little bit different every time. You know, so that's interesting, too. You know, whereas you think if someone has 30 fights, they basically they do this style, you know. Like a Khabib, you know what he's going to (laughs) do. You know, GSP, you know what he's doing in there, and he's going to do it anyway, you know. Uh, I'm not there yet. Right now I'm still, like, trying to progress and make my game better every time.
0: I like that. I like that. Now, you've mentioned your brother a couple of times, and and now I'm very clear that you're doing a lot of game planning in your own right what's yeah. that look like with your brother and you you know game planning for an opponent watching film is it something you guys do together is it something you do separately
1: we do it separately actually we do it separately <laughs> and then it's nice because he watches he watches it I watch tape and then like when we talk about the fight I don't always see what he sees and he doesn't always see what I see and then the things that we both noticed you know like okay those are like probably very obvious we have to put them on top of the priority list you know and then we work on the finer things and see but um things have changed a lot uh, in terms of game planning. Like before we used to really want to stick to a rigid game plan. And uh, now we have an idea, a general idea of what what I want to do, but knowing that he may show up and be different. So like now we always leave that open-ended, like instead of being like a a math test where we have to have the perfect formula and it's got to be like this, and we stick to the game plan no matter what happens. Because what happened with Ricky for me was I expected a totally different Ricky. Mm-hmm. I expected him to step in, throw nonstop, walk me down, have no fear to be taken down. Like, just, you know, like, just go barn burner fight. And uh, instead he came, he was avoiding my right hand like crazy. He was slipping. In, he looked like Bobby Green in there almost. Like, <laughs> you know, he was doing a really good job defensively, whereas in his the fights coming up to that one, he didn't do a great job defensively in the striking. He mostly was, like, willing to trade. So I was expecting that and I kind of like it kind of like threw me off too bad, but I had to figure out how to win the fight in the moment, right? So then we said, you know what? We need to add that factor of like, okay, we're gonna prepare, but not be too rigid that you can't be flexible mentally in there to change it up. I, I love that. Now, now would you say that, that that game plan mentality and that loose game plan mentality
0: comes entirely from the Ricky Tercios fight? Or or was there something else that triggered it too? Like did
1: Ricky Tercios just pretty much changed the way you prepare for fighters? No, not just him, but, like, we're seeing it with everyone on our team, Mm -hmm. you know? And especially with, like, the younger guys, let's say, like, in the amateur team, you know, when a guy has two, three fights, that's what I was trying to say before, like, if a guy has a couple of fights, you don't know what he's going to show up and do. He might change completely. Okay, he moved team, he did this, now all of a sudden he's obsessed with wrestling because he lost by wrestling, Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden you can't take him down after six months, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. You know, so we've noticed it as a team, too for a lot of our guys, you know? And I mean, uh, there has to be a flexibility of mind in there.
0: I dig that. I dig that. Now, let, let's talk about this fight. Before we talk about Keylang a little bit too, I, I want to talk about your chance to fight in Canada because, you know, yeah. it's been a long-ass time since the UFC has come back to Canada. And, you know, maybe it's not in your backyard. It's a little ways away here. But yeah. you're still getting to fight in the homeland again. What was it like knowing the UFC was coming back to Canada and they wanted your name on that card?
1: I was super excited, you know. Like we—it's been a long time. I know. It's been like four years, five years. I don't even know. And I, I'm happy to represent Canada. I grew up here, born and raised here. I love Canada. Canadians are fantastic people, and it's just a great way to represent the country, you know. I'm wearing that—that uh, I'm wearing them with me in the in the cage, you know.
0: Absolutely. And, and you know, too, there's so many fights happening in the Apex right now. Obviously, there, there's not a lot of fights that are traveling around that are, you know, definitely not outside of the country. But th- even within the United States, they're not traveling around much. Is the, the big crowd a, a thing for you? Do, do you care about that? Do you not care about that? I know some fighters are real picky.
1: For me, it doesn't change anything. I love the Apex, man. Like the experience really? of fighting in the Apex, it's the best. You know, because it's it was made for us. It's curated A to Z. All this, the UFC staffs are there. The UFC staffs amazing. You know, they own the hotels. They have the, the kitchen guys. They have the, the guys who make the food. They have everything you need. There's no doubt. If, it, if something goes wrong, fight week, they have every solution, which is nice, you know? But, you know, fighting in front of a crowd is great, for sure. I mean, I love fighting in front of a crowd, but, you know, I'm not going to get intimidated by there. I remember, like... When Ricky was yelling and screaming to the crowd, give me energy, blah, blah, in my mind, it's just like, man, the crowd isn't fighting for you. Nobody can fight for you. You got to come here and take it, man. You got to take it from me, you know? So, uh, yeah, I just focus on the guy and I just try to win that fight. So,
0: so with your druthers, with the exception of, you know, getting the chance to represent Canada and Canada, if yeah. it were up to you, you would fight in the Apex every time? Every time. Man. I love the Apex. <laughs>
1: Apex is perfect.
0: I love it. You're you're one of the only fighters I've ever heard say that. So <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the fight with Key Langiore. You know, you mentioned he, he's on a two fight winning streak. You know, he's on a good run yeah. for himself. He's done a lot of that work on his feet. But like you said, he he changes himself up here and there. Yeah. Uh, so what have you been doing particularly,
1: without giving away too
0: much, to prepare yes. for what you see from Key Langiore?
1: Listen, I'm, I'm prepared for 15 minutes of hell with this guy. He like I know he just changed it up a little bit. But something I noticed is that when the, when the fight gets hard or if it's not necessarily going his way, he walks you down, man. And he just fires himself up and he goes into trade. You know, kind of like what I was expecting from Ricky. <laughs> so I prepared it similarly in a way. But I've also left that open-ended question because earlier in his first two fights at 125, uh, I feel like he used footwork much better. And he was in and out a lot. Whereas when he went up to 135, he was really trying to stalk guys and walk them down you know so prepare for both but expecting if the fight gets hard for him or if i get him starting to get an advantage he's going to be like a bull in a china shop and i gotta be a matador i dig that now you you mentioned you know that's how you prepare for ricky
0: you're you're leaving it a little bit more open this time but that's basically how you're preparing for keylang here yeah is, is that the type of fighter you prefer to fight do you want a guy to bite down on the mouthpiece and get in your
1: face I want a guy that I know what he's gonna do in there. <laughs> that's what I want. You know what I mean? I mean, it's hard to fight something when you don't know what to expect, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the real test, man. That's a that's a test, you know. So now that's why we're trying to like develop that mentality where it, eventually it shouldn't matter who you fight, right? Eventually you should have plugged so many weaknesses in your game that you can go in there and fight anybody, right? And that you, your game plan beats their game plan, or your sorry. Your fight style, your fight strengths, beat their strengths. That's it. You know, like GSP, like The, the dream would be to be a GSP, right? To be so dominant that like everybody knows he's shooting. Like, I mean, how <laughs> do you not know? You know, and you know, like, uh, like for me, I really like that fight. You know, Mirab and Peter Yan too. It was a crazy fight because you know Mirab is gonna shoot, man. We all know, but he does it. Yeah. And he does it again and then again, and it's like that's cool. You know, that's really really cool
0: absolutely now i almost feel silly asking this but i always ask it to every fighter before i let him go and that's for a prediction so you know you, you're keeping yeah. things loose you're trying not to give predictions basically but here yeah. i am i'm gonna ask you anyway how do you see this one ended yes, my,
1: my favorite way to win is knockout that's for sure you know and i would love to knock him out but i'm not banking on it i'm not banking on it i'm prepared to go 15 minutes because he's a tough boy i don't think he's ever been ko'd and, and i fight against jeff Molina jeff and came real close and I'm hoping I hit harder than Jeff, and maybe I'll put him away. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Ben Iman
0: Zahabi who fights Aomi Key Lang at UFC two hundred eighty-nine on June tenth. Uh and Iman, thank you so much for the time, man. I really thank appreciate you. it. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Iman Zahabi. I once again am Din, you'll Freeland. Joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tramante. Dave we had a week off of MMA, we had, or at least a week off of uh, UFC fights, so uh, now that we've had time to take a look at this card and reflect a little bit on it, uh, who's the most exciting name that you see on this UFC Vegas 74 card?
2: Oh, wow. Just catching me off guard here, because I'm pretty underwhelmed by this whole card, so <laughs> let me think about it while you answer it first. I
0: mean, I'm, I'm just going to give you the lame-ass uh, Andrei Orlovsky stan answer uh, because I'm a big Andrei Orlovsky fan. I've always been a big Andrei Orlovsky fan. I've got no shame in the fact that I root for Andrei Orlovsky every single time he fights. Uh, so I'm going to say Andrei Orlovsky fighting against Dontale Mays uh, is what I'm most excited about. How about you? Now that I'm giving you time.
2: Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll <laughs> say the same cop-out answer and say Jim Miller for all the same reasons. Like This is an, <laughs> an underwhelming card. That's why I wanted a second to have the intern pull it up and just see if there was anyone on the undercard, but not really. I mean it's I It's like an old head coach. It's a, it, it's, it's beautiful it's beautiful that we get one of those once in a while. Yeah, I guess so. So it's the senior LPGA version of a UFC event this weekend. So let's just get right into it since we've bashed it enough more or less. Uh, <laughs> let's let's do our favorite segment on the show. Fights, dogs, parlays. We're breaking down a couple of fights, giving you a live dog to play and a parlay to play. We're pretty good at what we do, so you might want to start taking notes now. It's UC Vegas 74, but before we get into Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, does anyone sponsor this edition?
0: Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Game Up Hard Hydration is the new ready-to-drink beverage with the sports drink flavor and adult drink fun. It's got 4.9% alcohol by volume and a special blend of electrolytes that's way more than a hint of flavor a drink that is very, very, very drinkable, and it comes in all the flavors that you know and love. Orange, lemon, lime, fruit punch, and grape with 110 calories, one gram of carbs, gluten-free, no added sugar. Game up. Get it wherever you buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it on home for the
2: team. Get it. Game up. We love it. All right. Amir Albazi is a minus 125 favorite in this main event to Kai Cara France. A plus 105 dog is Cara France. So very tight odds here. Amir Abazi, uh, you know, it first main event in his fifth fight in the UFC. He's 4 0 in the UFC, but he debuted back in 2020. So he hasn't really been the most active of fighters. Fought once in 2020, once in 2021, got him twice in 2022. He fought in December, and now here we are six months later. Maybe he gets to two fights this year, but nonetheless, he is a favorite to Kaikara France and seemingly with a title shot on the line. Kaikara France, a bit of a more interesting history in the UFC. He started out as a very exciting prospect back in 2019. Uh, he was 2-0 and in the UFC and ran into Brandon Moreno. This was back in December of 2019, lost via unanimous decision, then went 4-1 and one with a, his only loss coming to Brandon Royval. So again, tops of the division. He was on a three fight win streak in 2022 and ran into who of all people, Brandon Moreno lost via TKO body kick and punches. That was for the interim flyweight title. So he's looking to start another win streak. It's over. It would be over a very big prospect. He's a slight dog here. And again, you know, this all could lead to a title shot down the road. Who you got? I, I like the dog money here on Kaikara France.
0: I, I think people really like Amir Elbezi because of his wrestling ability. Um, everybody sees him 16-1 prospect. What's not to like about that? You know, you've seen him get takedown after takedown after takedown against some of his opponents. But really, when I go back and I watch those fights uh, that he's scoring all those takedowns on against, it's really bad competition. You know, you mentioned a four-fight winning streak, and we're talking about guys like Shogashumagula for Alessandro Casa or... You know, Malcolm Gordon. Like, these are not people who grapple well. And while Kaikara France isn't known for his grappling, his takedown defense is there. And you know he's been drilling it with this fight in mind. Um, And, and on the feet, I just think he's 80 times better of a fighter than Amir Albazi He's faster. He's quicker. He's got the knockout power. So I, I think Kaikara France is going to keep this on the feet enough. I think we're going to see him go deep into the fight here and just start piecing albazi up. So, yeah, give me Kaikara France, especially if you can get that dog money on him.
2: Yeah, I like that pick a lot. I'm a huge Kaikara France fan in general. I think his losses are to top tier upper echelon talent. Uh, I like him here in this matchup and I like getting dog money on him when you can. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that pick. Let's move on. We have Daniel Pineda, a plus-150 dog, to Alex Caceres, a minus-175 favorite. Here we are, Alex Caceres, a two-to-one favorite. What a career it's been for Alex Caceres. You know, you want to talk about veterans in the UFC, and we're certainly dealing with the mega veterans. Uh, you're talking about guys who have seen, you know, the most uh, cage time in the history of the UFC on a card with Jim Miller and your boy Andre Arlovsky, but don't sleep on the fact that Alex Caceres debuted in the UFC in 2011. Alex Caceres has been a UFC fighter for 12 years. It's something you sleep on. This is a man who's who's seen UFC on fuel TV time, okay, back in the early 2010s. And while he's had some you know rough stretches in that 13 years, a three fight losing streak, a two fight losing streak, he was just on in starting in 2019 through 2021. He had a five-fight win streak, ran into Sadiq Yusuf and lost in 2022, came back in December of 2022 with a big TKO head kick and punches win over Julian Arosa. So if I peel that back, believe it or not, Alex Caceres is 6-1 and one in his last seven fights. Daniel Pineda is coming off a win to Tucker Lulz, uh, Lutz via guillotine choke. He had a no contest before that, a loss before that, a win before that, and two no contests. Uh, all the way back in PFL. So here's how wacky Daniel Pineda's uh, record has been. He is 2-1-3, and three. three no contests. Uh, the, the PFL stuff was overturned because of banned substances. His fight with Andre Feely was uh, accidental eye poke to his eye. He was unable to continue, so that was a no contest. So really, really wacky uh recent history for Pineda and worth mentioning too. This is a guy who left the UFC back in two thousand fourteen, has now fought his way back, made his way through Legacy, LFA, Bellator, and Fury and PFL. So, you know, if Daniel Pineda had been in strike force, he'd almost have hit every major MMA organization in America in the last fifteen years. That all being said, he's a plus one fifty dog here. Who you got? I'm actually going to go dog on Pineda, too.
0: Uh wow. I think, yeah, it, the thing about Alex Caceres is, like, yes, his striking is really good. We saw the knockout against Juliana Rosa. It, it felt kind of fluky, but bottom line is he hits hard and he, he's talented on the feet. I just don't know that he can avoid the wrestling of Daniel Pineda. Daniel Pineda is such an exceptionally good wrestler. Like, he took down Herbert Burns and worked on Herbert Burns on the mat. He's taken down Cub Swanson on short notice. Like, he, If you want to peel it back to his first stint in the UFC, he took down Mike Brown and had top control time against Mike Brown. I mean, he's coming off of that win over Tucker Lutz. Tucker Lutz is a good grappler too. Probably even better than Caceres when it comes to wrestling. And so, like, I think Caceres is just going to spend too much of this fight on his back trying to get back up. Um, I, I think Daniel Pineda is going to make him pay for that. And I also think the threat of the wrestling is going to make it harder for Alex Caceres to get what he does best, which is his kicks, right? Like I, I don't think he's going to feel comfortable throwing a bunch of kicks against a guy who wants to take him down. So give me Panetta here.
2: All right, I like it. Two dogs in a row. Uh, not going to argue with it. I like when we could get dog money on it. I'm leaning Caceres myself, but I like everything you laid out, uh, so we won't go back and forth on that for too much. Tim Elliott is a minus 175 favorite. Victor Altamarino is a plus 150 dog, so we've talked a lot about the veterans on this card. Tim Elliott is certainly one of them, but here we actually have, you know, in the last fight, Alex Caceres, Daniel Pineda. Pineda's fought his way through every league in the world. Those were two veterans. Here we have that classic um, veteran versus up-and-comer matchup, uh, maybe a passing of the torch in some ways, but Elliott, the minus-175 favorite, he made his UFC debut all the way back at the ultimate fighter uh, – no, actually, he debuted on UFC on Fox Diaz versus Miller back in 2012 and then fought on the finale to Carwin versus Nelson – uh so 11 years in the UFC for Tim Elliott. He's coming off a win. Uh he had lost before that. So he's 1 and 1 in his last 2. If you want me to peel back even further, he's 3 and 3 in his last 6. So pure 500 fighter. Victor uh Altamirano is fighting out of Mexico. Uh that's an emerging market for the UFC if you haven't been able to tell that just yet. He debuted on the Contender Series all the way back in 2021 and in the UFC proper, he is 2 and 1 and he's on a two fight win streak. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Tim Elliott here. I I just think if you watch Victor
0: Altamirano, he's a guy who when he gets in the clinch, he gets kind of spazzy. He looks like he's worried about being in the clinch because he's really comfortable with his striking and it seems not so comfortable with his grappling. And really, if you start to freak out anytime Tim Elliott gets his hands on you, dude, that's a recipe for disaster because Tim Elliott – you know, through the good times or the bad times, it doesn't matter. The guy's always been able to scramble. He scrambled with Mighty Mouse, and he did a damn good job of scrambling with Mighty Mouse. So, I, uh, you know, it, against a guy who freaks out anytime he's in the clinch and starts to worry about the grappling, I, I just think Tim Elliott's going to get too much of his grappling going here. I think he'll probably snatch up a submission.
2: I like it. Our Doug of the Week, is Felipe Lind, plus 120. Let's hear it.
0: Yeah, he's fighting Maxim Grishin. I think he's just being underrated here because people remember what he did at heavyweight and it wasn't pretty. Uh, But I think what happens since he's moved down to 205 is he's been really strong. He looks great at 205. He's won back-to-back fights. He knocked out OSP in his last fight. And the thing about Maxim Grishin is he's a guy who kind of relies on the fact that he has a reach advantage over most people in this division. And he's actually going to be at a reach disadvantage to Felipe Lins, a guy who I think is just more aggressive, is going to use that reach well. And I think actually has the wrestling advantage over the Russian. So give me Felipe Linz here.
2: And our parlay to play is Tim Elliott, the aforementioned. Pair him together at a minus 175 with Kareem Silva of 225. So two very strong favorites here, two to one, more or less averaging. But it gets you plus 123 odds on a two-fight parlay. Break it down. Yeah. I like Tim
0: Elliott here because, uh, you know, all the reasons I mentioned before, I just don't think that Altamirano is going to be able to grapple with him. And then for Kareem Silva, if you look at who she's fighting, which is Ketlin Souza, the former Invicta champ, Ketlin Souza is somebody who just wants to grapple really bad, but doesn't have the wrestling to do so. And as a result, she kind of lets her opponents take her down a lot. She did that against Christina Williams last time out in her Invicta title fight. And that works against some women, But it's not going to work here against Kareem Silva, who, first of all, is going to engage her in the grappling game and just plays a really safe, smart top game. So I think we're going to see Kareem Silva in a lot of advantageous positions while we watch Ketlin Souza throw up Hail Mary's submissions and fail time after time after time after time. So uh, we're going to squeeze a little bit more value out of that by pairing him with Tim Elliott uh, and getting that sweet, sweet plus money.
2: All right, that wraps up this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Let us know how you think we did. We accept both love and hate feedback on the social media uh, at Top Turtle MMA. And Gumby, we're having a party here. Let's not let it stop. What should we do next?
0: We're going to transition now to my interview with Damon Blackshear, who is fighting this weekend against Luan Lacerda. And we're going to that interview for you right now. All right, and joining me today is DeMond Blackshear, who fights Luan Lacerda at UFC Vegas 74. That fight is on June 3rd. So, DeMond, I wanted to start here. You know, when I was booking this interview through your agent, we were talking about it. He mentioned you were on the East Coast, and I know you've done a lot of your training camps over at Jackson Wake before. So is this a new change? Is this a permanent change? What, what's it look like for this training camp?
3: Uh, this it's a, um, it's a new change, most likely going to be permanent, man. Um, I just... I just like the, I like the environment. I like the, I like the weather. I like the, man. It just feels good to be in Miami. You know, I'm close to the water. I'm not in the desert, so uh, it feels good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'll miss some of my training partners, but uh, change is good. You know? Absolutely. And, and so, what is the gym
0: situation like? Where, where are you working out? Who are you working so right with right now? I'm,
3: for the most part, I'm doing all. Um, for at least for this camp, I've done most of my stuff at uh, KO Zone. And I've been there and I've been um getting some um private coaching and we've been working and isolating drills and fucking just pushing the pace, you know? I like that. So is it
0: has it been a lot of like very individualized sessions rather than like, you know, sort of the larger team stuff that a lot of fighters do?
3: Yeah, so I've uh I'll probably have one large um group session with the guys at Chaos uh, Zone, and then for the most part um we'll get together and just kind of like have like an individual. Lies a program and um, we'll just um, isolate some of the uh, ch- or troubleshoot some of the situations I get in or um, the things that we're going to run into in this fight. You know,
0: that's interesting. Now th- that's a situation that I-, I actually heard Dean Thomas talk about how he thought that that was the future of MMA training. What what sort of led you to this like different type of training game?
3: Um for the most, uh, I think for this camp, it was the, uh, the change up. And then, um, kind of just wanted to like, Hey, I don't want any like politics or anything going on, going, switching back and forth from gyms and everything. Just kind of just like, Hey, get into, um, Hey, I got established establish that KO zone. Let me knock out this camp right now. And, um, let's, um, push forward. And I think it's like, I think it's pretty smart to, um, especially I know who I'm fighting. So, um, and I know um, I know what I need to work on. So I think, it was, I think it was the right move, you know?
0: I like that. Now, we're going to talk about who you're fighting in a little bit in Luan Lacerda. But I, I did want to talk about your run in the UFC so far. Because, you know, you got to the UFC with an incredible run. You pick up the CFFC title and all that kind of stuff. But then you get in a crazy short notice fight. And, and not just a crazy short notice fight. A brawl with, with Yusuf Zalal. How have you felt like your your run in the UFC is gone? Because you know maybe the results aren't there, but damn, you've been in some exciting fights.
3: Yeah, it's uh I it sucks that um it looks the way it looks, but um I've definitely had some great I had some great fights, and I I think I I've showed um I have the skill and I have the level to fucking be a fucking top contender. You know what I'm saying? It's uh small little details that um. I've, I've got to work on the, fr- the first one was a uh, really short notice and I put on the fucking show, you know what I'm saying? Against a guy that was already established in the, um, in the UFC and then, um, free boss Rod, small little, um, small little things, you know? And it was a, a fight that you could easily said, if you look it at it, look at it at a different way, you could be like, Oh, you fucking won, but you left it to the judges, you know? So
2: yeah, and
0: so you you mentioned you, you don't like the way it looks, right? Nobody would like the way that it looks, but you you love the performances. Does that give you extra pressure going into this fight, with Lucerta? That you know, like the results haven't been on your side, but the excitement has.
3: Yeah, but um, I got to get the W. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, that's where the pressure is. Fucking, you gotta, I gotta go in there and fucking win, and I gotta win dominantly. And that's and that's that's all there is to it.
0: Absolutely. And let's talk about that fight in just a bit. But I, I did want to also ask you about your fighting career because you, you're one of those guys who put together an incredible resume on your way to the UFC. You know, some of these guys are getting to the UFC 5-0, and 6-0, and they're getting signed right away. You you put in the time, right? Like you were you all over the regional scene, CES, CFFC. You fought UFC guys all over the place. And I know you took your first fight when you were, you know, like a teenager or just just barely 20. What sort of led you into MMA at such a young age? And, and what kept you going through, you know, a, a career that, you know, a lot of people might, might stop at a certain
3: point? Oh, uh, just a vision. You know what I'm saying? A vision and a dream. Can't let that little kid down, you know? I, I've always wanted to do it since I was uh, – I really wanted to do it when I was like, turn, I turned like 11 or 12, but it's always been around, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, was just, it was just a crazy thing to say. I want to be a professional MMA fighter, especially at that young a bit, up at age, but uh, yeah, just uh, a vision and a dream that I really felt, you know what I'm saying? And Absolutely. I, I always pushed it, no matter what, like I always like, I look, I look to everything I've done since I was 12 years old, has been to be a mixed martial arts. I,
0: I love that. So, so, you wanted to fight MMA at 11 years old. Now, I got first of all, I got to get your parents' reaction. What, what did your parents think when you you wanted to be an MMA fighter
3: at 11? I think it's like I think it was kind of like uh, laughable. Like, uh, <laughs> they <just today. laughs> say what are you talking about? But uh, but then they seen the passion and um, uh, they they pushed for it. You know what I'm saying? that had, awesome. had had ups and downs but uh for the most part good support I mean, that, that
0: that's awesome so now i gotta also ask you know what sparked did at eleven did you see a fight did you you know get in the gym for the first time just Definitely. What,
3: what- so um i think it was it was a lot of things kind of going into it i always i got into a lot of fights kind of being um somewhat being picked on and then, like, starting to be like, oh, like, oh, people think that's just cool, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, then, like, getting some boxing gloves and going around the neighborhood asking people to box, you know what I'm saying, and throwing, having guys throw it on, um, training with my neighbor's friends, and they're into, into uh, mixed martial arts, too. My daddy used to box, my grandpa used to box, and it was just always in the family, and uh, my uncles wrestled, and yeah, it's just kind of like um, everything kind of points to the same thing. You know, the girls dig it, like every, everybody, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So that's really what it was.
0: Well, and, and that little guy is now here in the UFC with a chance to pick up his first win against Luan Lacerda. So let's talk about that fight. You mentioned you know what the guy is. You know, you, you've you seen his tape. You you know what you're going up against. Tell us, what, what did you think of when you got the tape on Luan Lacerda and the name Luan Lacerda as your opponent?
3: Um, he's... None of but respect for him, but um, I just, I think I'm better than him everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's a good jiu-jitsu, um jujitsu practitioner, you know? he's uh, He's got a lot of guys when he was outside of the UFC with submissions, but um, now you're facing guys with that uh, another black belt, you know what I'm saying? And you're not going to catch me so easily. And, um, and on the feet, I feel like I just outscore him. That's about it. So,
0: you know, I usually like to wrap these things up with a prediction then. How do you see this one ending come June
3: 3rd? Uh, A fitness within three rounds.
0: All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Ben Damon Blackshear, who fights Luan Lacerda at UFC Vegas 74. That fight once again, June 3rd. Damon, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsor, Game Up Hard Hydration, and remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations.
3: And until next week, I'm David Grubby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonti, and we'll catch you then.